On this episode of Money with Friends, closing up shop, analysts expect almost a quarter of the malls to close in the next five years. We're talking the future of shopping with guest, co-host, author Cameron Huddleston. It is Wednesday, June 8th. This is Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from beautiful Lake Mayapak in Putnam County, New York. And I'm Cameron Huddleston, author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, coming to you from Bowling Green, Kentucky. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. Like author Cameron Huddleston, we break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And speaking of making your own, this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, which you can make your own and take control of your money. It is your financial life basically in a spreadsheet. It's automatically updated each day. Key thing here though, it's yours. You can update that spreadsheet in, and sorry, you can customize the spreadsheet and then it'll still update and you don't have to do anything because really, is that really what you want to do with your time? No, we're going to talk about it later in the show. In the meantime, you can check it out, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You get a free trial, you get 10% off your first year. And most of all, you support Money with Friends. And we thank you for that. Cameron, you're back two days in a row. Welcome. Yes, I'm so excited to be back again for another episode. I love chatting with you, Bobby. It's always a pleasure and so much fun. How is your family? We didn't get to talk about that yesterday. I know your mom had had some challenges. Yeah, and you know, um, that's been difficult. It's been a very difficult month um, because those challenges aren't going away. You know, just to be open and honest about it, my mother is in the late stage of Alzheimer's disease. And a year ago, we found out she had cancer. She had surgery to remove the growth and it came back. And the surgeon did two biopsies. It has spread to one lymph node, but not beyond that. But because of her late stage Alzheimer's treatment, traditional treatment, chemotherapy, radiation, it's just, it's just not an option. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a decision I ever wanted to have to make, but in talking with the doctor and my sister, we realized that just, you know, given my mom's situation, trying to do treatment, um, which might not even work, would just be so traumatic for her. And so, um, you know, this is this is where we are and this is what we're dealing with. I think what makes it hardest is that this is happening in the time of coronavirus and she's in a memory care facility and I haven't been able to visit her. They are opening up and allowing visitors to visit briefly. I still haven't decided whether I want to do that because I see it as risky. Um, so it's kind of something I'm, I'm debating and, and trying to figure out what I want to do going forward. If I want to go visit her and check on her or just continue calling and asking to see how she's doing. But um, certainly this has been a stressful time, um, but, you know, getting through it the best we can. I think that's one of the many things I adore about you is your candor and your willingness to talk about really sensitive issues that more people are dealing with than we really always understand. I think so many of us deal with um, complex situations with our parents and our older friends and relatives. And, you know, your book really touches on that and really gave people such a wonderful, still gives people such a wonderful tool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like a lot of us, a lot of people who are caregivers to parents, we feel so alone, like we're doing all of this by ourselves, but 
letting people know that they're not alone. This is this is a goal of mine, and I want people to feel comfortable asking questions, having these conversations, and you know, especially talking to their parents before there is an emergency, so that planning can be done. You know, I'm glad I had these conversations with my mom, you know, very on very early on, so that I knew what her wishes were because you know these are things that I'm having to deal with now, and so knowing her wishes makes it a lot easier because I know that I'm going to be doing what she wants. Yeah. We don't have time to share that entire story. That's why people have to read your book, mom and dad, we need to talk because it is, it's, it's candid and, and open like you are, which is so wonderful and really lets us see that we're all going through so many similar issues. And, you know, the show is called money with friends and that's something that, you know, when you can talk about money with friends is really, really special. And we love having you on. Let's see which one of our friends though, is going to bring us into the headline. This is Trey from TrueTrey.com. P.E. ratios, stock purchase plans, Federal Reserve meetings. We must be getting ready for another episode of Money with Friends. Okay, so to this article is from the New York Times, and the headline is, With Department Stores Disappearing, Malls Could Be Next. Brick and mortar retail was in the midst of seismic changes even before the pandemic. Analysts say as much as a quarter of America's malls may close in the next five years. Standard American Mall with its vast parking lots, escalators and air conditioning, and an atmosphere heavy on perfume samples and the scent of Mrs. Fields cookies was built around department stores. But the pandemic has been devastating for retail industry and many of those stores are disappearing at a rapid clip. Some chains are unable to pay the rent and prominent department store chains, including Neiman Marcus, as well as JCPenney, have filed for bankruptcy protection. As they close stores, it could cause other tenants to abandon malls at the same time as large specialty chains like Victoria's Secret are shrinking. Malls were already facing pressure from online shopping, but analysts now say that hundreds are at risk of closing in the next five years. That has the potential to reshape the suburbs with many communities already debating whether abandoned malls can be turned into local markets or office space or even affordable housing. Quote, more companies have gone bankrupt than any of us have ever expected. And I do believe that will accelerate as we move through 2020, unfortunately, said Deborah Weinswig, founder of Foresight Research, an advisory and research firm that specializes in retail and technology. And then those who haven't gone bankrupt are using this as an opportunity to clean up their real estate. Ms. Weinswig said the malls that are able to withstand the current turmoil will be healthier, better tenants, more inviting and occupied. But she anticipated that about 25% of the country's nearly 1,200 malls were in danger. Most retailers that have filed for bankruptcy are closing stores but plan to continue operating. Department stores account for about 30% of the mall square footage in the United States. Um, and by the way, we are skipping over some parts because this is a very long article. And then there are the customers who already shop online in huge numbers and may not be all that eager to return to enclosed emporiums where they will be surrounded by other people. And this is a quote from Matthew Lazenby, chief executive of Whitman Family Development, which manages the luxury open air Ball Harbor shops outside Miami. Quote, if there's a perception out there that people are safer outside and less safe inside, that's not great. And then it goes on further down in the article to say that 
Mr. Hall said he anticipated making malls more, quote, community-based in smaller markets with local and regional businesses. Quote, it's going to be cooking classes, boutiques, internet businesses that want a physical presence, healthcare, and food choices, he said. So I think that makes a lot of sense, especially with the coronavirus, that there's going to be a lot more enthusiasm about an outdoor shopping center versus indoor, right? Cameron? We may have lost Cameron, so I'm going to ask you, Cameron, if you're there, maybe you should reboot. Okay, we taped this live, by the way, everyone, in front of a Facebook Live audience, and sometimes our software does not cooperate. So we'll get Cameron back in a minute. In the meantime, as I mentioned, we are live on Facebook Live. We have a lot of comments from our amazing audience. Let's start with Sarah. Sarah says, my 17-year-old just watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and he was really impressed with the mall in that movie. Um yeah, that, that's a classic movie, actually. Um, we're talking about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Do you remember that, Cameron? You know, I remember the movie, but I never watched it. But I mean, there's... Oh. <laughs> yes, but I mean, Clueless, that was mentioned in that article, actually. One of the, um, like the movie Clueless, which I remember, there was a, the mall where it was filmed was mentioned in that article. I mean, I, that's where we hung out. When I was growing up in junior high and the high school, we, when we could drive, we would cruise around the mall. I mean, you because we didn't have cell phones where we could text each other. We actually had to talk to our friends in person. Imagine that, like having to actually talk face to face to someone instead of texting them by the phone. Um, yeah, there was none of that. And it's interesting. We have Adrian here. And so I, I've only seen a few episodes of Stranger Things. Her comment is the mall in Stranger Things looks like a lot more fun than the modern malls. Um, but is, I think that show is based in the eighties. So therefore it's also probably a similar look to what the one in fast times at Ridgemont high is. Right. 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 Yeah. They do spend time in that mall. I feel like it does look, it does look more fun because they've got like their friends working there. Like, I don't remember anyone, any of my friends actually working in the mall. Yeah, exactly. So, and Adrian also points out that there's too many abandoned malls and, and that maybe they can be turned around to benefit the community, like farmers markets, libraries, community centers, things like that. So that goes to the whole idea of repurposing. Right. I know that the first mall that was in my hometown, which I still live in today, was turned into after they built a new mall and all the stores migrated to that one. That one now houses um, like a technology institute that's affiliated with the university. And so they are using that space still for other things. It's not just sitting there vacant. I know that that new mall, which is no longer new, I mean, it had a JCPenney, it had a Sears, and uh, I think there's maybe there was a Macy's, but that was replaced by something else. I mean, there are a lot of vacant stores in that mall. And I, because of that, I hardly ever shop there. I don't love going to the mall anymore. There are, there's one in Nashville, which is near to me, that is a really nice mall. It's a pretty upscale mall. So there's kind of a different feeling to it. I prefer those outdoor malls for those. And I don't want to call that. It's not the strip mall that I'm talking about. I'm talking about those carefully planned centers. Sometimes there are outlet malls or you have several stores that, that stores that are together where you, they also have you know, food options. But I like the places where you can walk outdoors. And especially now, you know, you don't want to be inside in an enclosed area. Honestly, I prefer, though, the, the local boutiques, the specialty stores. I prefer to shop local when I can. I don't like the big department stores. They just feel too overwhelming to me. So, 
even though I once loved malls, I'm not a big fan of them now. Well, I think that you and I can reminisce about our love of malls. First of all, they're nostalgic for our childhood, our teenage years, but it really was more about the friendships and the, the freedom because at the time, that was really one of the few places your parents could drop you off. They knew that you were somewhere sort of safe and enclosed. And, you know, I think the buying stuff that we wouldn't buy a ton of stuff that was expensive. We would buy stuff we didn't need though, for sure. Cause you're there and you would just be going to different stores to kill time and you'd buy stuff. And that was sort of the cost of the entertainment, I think at the time versus now, and we can be all judgy about that, but now we've got, you know, 10 year olds carrying thousand dollar phones. So I don't know about that either. Right. <laughs> See, I, I feel like I don't remember buying a lot when I was at the mall and maybe getting that Mrs. Fields cookie or something like right. that, a pretzel or the sure. remember orange, orange Julius, you know, we get, Oh one my gosh. Orange. Yes. But you know, you might pick up like little cheap earrings. You're always buying like maybe a few, very little exactly. But it was very rarely was it like, I need this and you're going to go there. It was the place you could hang out with your friends. Right. You know, and I do remember there was a toy store and this is when I was younger and we were with my parents and I would save up my allowance to buy these model horses that I loved and collected at the toy store. I tell you, though, Bobby, I would not just drop off my kids and let them wander around by them all by themselves. And maybe that's because I'm an overprotective mom, but that's not going to happen. But did you uh, did your mother do that at the time? Yes. Yes. So of course she did. At the same ages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. When I was in the junior high, I remember being dropped off by my mom with a friend and hanging out there. Yeah, yeah this is the 80s, you know, so parents are very different then than they I are. I guess. Now. I mean, look, I also remember riding in, in station wagon cars. Yes. It's like a ton of kids just piled into this three three seat thing and you had like the back seat and no one had seatbelts. Mm -hmm. In no the way did. back. Yeah. Really, we didn't think about it. Yeah, you just rolled around as the car turned. Of course. We asked our Instagram audience, Cameron, do indoor malls have a future as a major driver of retail sales? So I'm not, we're not asking them, will they exist at all in any form, but are they going to basically, are they, how important are they going to be? Are they going to be really important? Um, are they going to be a driver? Um, so the, the answer options were, I tried to get creative with this. Unlike yesterday's show where it was yes or no, comeback coming or glory days long gone. Okay. I think the majority said glory days long gone. Was it a strong majority or a not so strong? Was it like a barely like yesterday's? Strong, strong majority. Very, you're so good. Two days in a row. 89%. <laughs> we had a lot of people voting. Woo! We had a really yeah. good audience for this. Our producer, Ashley, got this up um, in time. We had a really strong and uh, yeah, only 11% think that malls, indoor malls, I should say, um, are going to be a major driver. You have, we also asked them to tell us more about their answer and you have a, just a, let's just share a few. Okay. So someone said online shopping killed malls years ago. Someone else said we haven't had a mall near us for years. They are in rural Vermont. And then someone said, hate it there. Oh, so there's no. some <laughs> strong feelings about malls. Not a so, lot well, you know, them. you don't like it there anymore because you feel like it's changed. I don't. I, I just, I, like I said, I don't like department stores in particular. They feel so large and overwhelming to me. I'd rather go to someplace small where I can go in and find what I need and get in and out quickly. I will tell you this, though. Um, even though online shopping is convenient and it's played a big role in the demise of department stores and malls, there are certainly drawbacks 
to online shopping, which I have experienced during the pandemic. I have had to order some shoes online. My sneakers got holes in them because I've been walking so much, walking the dog. There's nothing else to do. So I had to order new sneakers. I couldn't try them on. And I got them and they didn't fit. So I had to send them back. So I feel like there's still a lot of value to having actual stores, especially when it comes to clothing and shoe shopping, because you need to try stuff on. My kids, I've ordered stuff for them because they've out, out, outgrown clothes. Get it. It arrives. It doesn't fit. So I have to send it back. Um, you know, unfortunately, even though stores have opened up recently, at least here, you still can't try things on in a lot of stores because well, of the coronavirus. Very tricky. They give you a guilt trip. You can try things on. A lot of stores don't have the the try-on try rooms available because they can't clean them constantly. And some stores will let you try things on, but then they can't sell it for 48 hours. They have to keep it off the floor for two full days. So then you feel really guilty. You're like, I really better want this. I'm going to try it on. <laughs> so yeah, we have Ron in our Facebook live audience with the comments. So Ron says lots of Apple stores only in malls going to be a huge investment if they close. Yeah, that's, you know, that brings up kind of a point. Like if you're a retailer and you're looking and you would normally go to a mall and you're looking at malls and it makes sense for you financially, but do you make that investment knowing that maybe things are, are changing? It, you know, is it is it a good place to put your, you know, money, your investment? If you it's going to be so good in the future. It might be good short term, maybe good enough short term, I guess. I think it's going to be a hard decision. I'm sure a lot of retailers are grappling with this because a year ago, I don't think any retailer would have ever thought they would be in a situation like this, this pandemic. And this is right. going to change the business plans of a lot of companies going forward. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't good, but this is a whole, this is a whole new level. And I mean, when you're looking at your own finances, it's really hard because you can see that things, maybe something is not the best investment, but it might be providing you a dividend that's working for you. And then something changes that nobody saw coming and you're really sort of forced to figure out some way to salvage a probably not great situation. I mean, Apple, if they're, if, as Ron said, they're building out a lot of mall stores. I didn't know that they probably made those deals quite a while ago when things were good enough to meet whatever metrics they needed to meet for Apple. Right. And so right. now this is so unanticipated and so epic that they're, you know, have to really figure out a new plan or maybe they'll stay with it. Who knows? We just don't know, but that can happen in, in, in your own life. Right. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, it, it goes, you know, goes to the point of it's always a good idea to have a plan, an emergency plan. Um, but you have to be flexible. And, you know, when it comes to your investments too, you might have once loved a certain stock, but you need to review your portfolio and see if your investments still make sense to, for you and for your goals, because that stock, um, I've got Boeing shares. Yes, I do. And, <laughs> and they're not doing so well. I mean, they have been hit hard, you know, and you don't want to sell when it's down, but it's, you know, all of this is a reminder that you have to, continually be reviewing your finances, reviewing your assets, and you have to be willing to make 
changes because what worked a year ago might not be working anymore for you. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you didn't have a good plan and it doesn't mean it was your fault in any way. That's what is really hard about what's going on now is that you can have so many businesses that were really well run doing everything very well planned and had like, let's just say a three month, you know, backup of cash flow. But look, many businesses have been out now for more than three months. So it's just tough. I mean, I just I feel a lot of empathy for so many people that have had to change their plans. And and the retail industry, you know, is reflective of that, that so many of us can go through on a personal level. Right. I, I tell you, though, um, and, and I don't want to spark any controversy here, but in having a conversation with a small business owner, you know, she said, if, if you are a big supporter of small business, the best thing you can do right now is wear that mask and stop the spread of disease so your small businesses can stay in business and they won't have to experience another shutdown if cases rise. So yes, please be safe. Yeah, we have time for one more comment. We have Adrian here. So Adrian says, there's a Target and Nordstrom at my local mall and Target parking lot is always full while Nordstrom is always empty, which I think is interesting. And maybe it has to do with price points there. Yeah, I think also Target sells a lot of everyday items, including food at many Targets. So people could be doing necessity shopping at a place like Target versus Nordstrom. In general, people are going to for things that may be more considered discretionary. I mean, you can usually right. get by with clothing that you have. I've definitely been shopping my closet a lot lately. Or you can get clothing often, as you mentioned, at lower price points at places like Target. Right. And I think, too, um, you know, if, if you're if you're trying to be safe, you feel guilty about going to a store like Nordstrom and buying something that you don't absolutely have to have. And so it does make sense that that Target lot would be a lot fuller than the Nordstrom lot. Very well said. All right. Hold that thought. Um, we're going to go to our takeaways in just a minute. But I, I want to just talk to everybody about um, our sponsor, which is Tiller, because Tiller helps you get organized. It is customizable spreadsheets that will help you get your financial life in order. And, you know, that's just something we all have to be doing all the time. But especially at this time, if you haven't done it, you finally have the time to focus on being organized, making sure that things are automated, because if you automate things, they won't slip through the cracks. You're not going to forget to pay a bill. You're not going to forget to have that emergency fund built up because you'll have the numbers right in front of you and you will know what is going on in your life and you will be able to make the right decisions for you tiller create tiller connects i should say to google sheets and excel so they got you covered you don't have to compromise on the spreadsheets you can make them customizable to your needs and once you put everything in you don't have to worry about data entry multiple account logins csv files you just connect your banks once and then you're going to see your transactions automatically updated each day so you don't have to keep doing anything and I love having nothing to do, even though I have more time than ever. Somehow, I don't know, the days get filled, Cameron. So let's just like remove that from our agenda. Everyone go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more info. You get a free trial and you get 10% off your first year. And you also, of course, support the show, which is also really important, right? Exactly. Thank you, everyone. Get organized. You know what? Wouldn't it be amazing if something happened and this whole thing like wrapped up in a wonderful way and we found a cure we found a vaccine and everyone got better and we all had to go back to like real 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 full-time work you would run out of time you would you would have wasted this time and not gotten tiller 
and not been organized. <laughs> and you'd be kicking yourself. Like I had the time and I could have saved so much time in the future if I just spent like a couple minutes setting this up to get my numbers organized. Cameron's like, I'm organized. I'm good. Um, okay. No, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, it's like, you know, in a strange way that this, um, this pandemic has been a good wake up call for us to do all the things that we've put off. Like, we say we don't have time. Like get organized, like buy life insurance, like write a will. So all the things, yeah. all the yeah. things, do them. And, and you know what? If you have kids, they can, you know, they don't need to get into your, your finances, but they can be on the other side of the room. You can still be watching them. So it's not like you're on a work Zoom call and the kids are going to be on the call, although that obviously is happening a lot too, which is kind of hysterical. But anyway, um, let's do our takeaways. Okay. Are you going first or second this time? I forget. You can go first, Bobby. All right. I'm going to go first. Okay. Malls are down, but they may not be out. They do need to be reimagined for sure. That's not a bad thing. I remember malls as basically community centers, especially during the teen years, pre-internet, pre-cell phones. And looking back, maybe it's okay that we no longer associate our social life with spending money on stuff we often didn't need because it was one of the few places we could hang out with our friends as young adults. But I always wish all, retail, all retailers well because we do want to support the economy, especially in this tough time, and also support small business as Cameron says, and wear a mask. Okay, <laughs> well said. I agree 100%. And like you, Bobby, I remember spending plenty of my teen years in the mall. But as I said already, I'm not going to miss malls if they become a thing of the past. I do prefer to shop in small local boutiques and specialty stores. Um, but I wouldn't want to see these retailers disappear because shopping for things such as clothing and shoes online can be a challenge. So I would love to see those small retailers, those local shops continue to thrive. And if malls become a thing of the past, I hope that they can find good use for those buildings so that they don't just sit vacant. I totally agree. And I just want to make one more comment, not so much about malls, but about the fact that there's been so much saturation of retail out there. And obviously there's a point where it's too much. And we were seeing that even pre-coronavirus. But I remember once I went, this is weird. I actually, I've, I've been to Russia and there was not at the time so much commerce. We're kind of going back to the eighties. There wasn't so much commerce. And so if you needed something, there was no choice. And it's really a wonderful thing that in this country, we can have a choice among different products when we want to buy something. We can go to different retailers. We can, we have so much availability of so many different things as consumers. And we should never forget that that is something wonderful. A lot of things have been out of stock because of inventory issues this summer because of coronavirus and different problems with um, importing goods and, and you know, keeping workers and factories safe. So a lot of places that make things here, even in this country, have not been operating at full power. So I go to order something. We wanted to order something at Home Depot the other day that we needed to fix something on our balcony and it was out of stock. You know, we're not used to that. We're not, we're, we just expect everything we want to be available. We may not like the price, blah, 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 but we expect to have everything available and now to have it shipped to us and, you know, for free within 24 hours or whatever, that is a privilege. And it's a wonderful thing that we have in this country. So it is important within your budgets that you um, support retailers and, and we do wish all of them well. I agree 100%. <laughs> All right, Cameron, this has been so wonderful. You're going to be back in four weeks for two more shows. So we look forward to that. In the meantime, where can people be in touch and learn more about you? You can learn more about me on my website, which is CameronHuddleston.com. There are 
links there to the retailers that sell my book. I've got some free resources you can download. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at Cameron K. Huddleston and on Twitter at C.H. Lebedinsky, which is my married name. And I know it's a little confusing. And that married name is Ukrainian. My husband actually grew up in the Soviet Union, Bobby. And I've, I've oh been my goodness. I have been to Ukraine and Russia. And yes, I was there back in the early 90s when um, just like what you were talking about. Yeah, a lot of my family with Ukrainian background as well. So we're getting the full bio here. Uh, learn more about Cameron <laughs> and all of our other amazing co-hosts, both from this season and previous seasons on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. On behalf of Cameron, I'm Bobby. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to Money with Friends. Show's created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.